Thank you for joining our weekly message on the Pure Young Adult Podcast. We hope this message encourages you to grow deeper in your journey with Jesus. For more information about Pure Young Adults, check us out on all social media platforms at Pure Young Adults. Enjoy the message. Hey guys, for those that don't know, my name is Jakeem. Um, I get a chance to lead here um, in this community called Pure. Absolutely love it. Have the best job in the world. Um, I'm, oh, okay, there's a few little, I don't know what that is. Oh, 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 okay, awesome. Um, yeah, man, but I absolutely love it. Get a chance to hang out with uh, Shelby. What do I say? Where are you at? The coolest people in the world, man. Um, this community here, man, we get a chance to come together on Thursdays and meet a small groups throughout the week, and I absolutely love it. Um, so if we have not met face-to-face personally, this is me saying, hello, my name is Jakeem. And on that same note, guys, if this is your first time hanging out tonight, and if I don't get a chance to shake your hand uh, personally, I just want to say, man, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm super pumped that you're here. Like they said earlier, check out our Welcome Center. We want to get to know you, want to get plugged in. Um, we just want to know who you are. We're kind of just, we like people around here. Anybody just like people? Just go ahead and raise your hand. All right, even if you don't, just fake it right now. All right, there's a lot. All right, I'm changing my message. There was a lot of empty hands in here. So we're going to have another, another message on relationships when we talked about last week. We'll get to that in a little bit. Last thing, if you're checking us out online, if you are checking us out on the week on YouTube or you couldn't come because school is getting ready to start back for a lot of us, we want to say welcome. Get a free Thursday. Come hang out. Um, yep. All right. So like she said, we are diving in to week two of a series that we have titled Risk. We've titled a series called Risk. And this entire conversation has been about what it means to, um, and in our Christian life, we kind of settled and said this, that in our journey with God, in our walk with God, that there's going to be moments where we're going to have to experience or we're going to have to face risk. We're going to have to face risk. So we set it up like this, man. We started off saying this, that this was our definition for risk. And our definition for risk was going to be this, God opportunities that expose us to disappointment, to hurt, and to loss, but our steps towards destiny. We said this last week that God, that we will define risk as this, that God opportunities that expose us to disappointment, hurt, or loss, but that are required or that are steps towards our destiny. Here's what I mean, that some of us, man, when we think of risk, we said there was a lot of different definitions. I'm not talking about skydiving or jumping off a 60-foot cliff, even though those can be fun. That's not the risk that I'm talking about, but that in our walk with God, that there's going to be moments, situations, experiences, callings, drives within us, passions within us, that's going to require us to take a risk. That we kind of wrestle with this that said, look, that you can live a below-average life with Jesus. You have every right to do so. You can come, we can say the prayer, um, you can, you know, accept Jesus as Lord or Savior and just live a really safe, mellow life. You have every right to do so. But Jesus says this, man, I come that they might have life and life to the fullness that I have uh, uh, here around uh, water of life. We like to use this word destiny. So we said this, that you can live a below average life with Jesus, but the fullness of life that God has for you, that he's intended, that he's shaped, that he's formed you for is on the other side of risk. That's on the other side of risk. So what we're doing this over the stretch of four weeks is talking about the different areas in which that we're going to have to take risk in our lives. And last week, we, we, we had this conversation around that we would have to take risk 
in our relationships. We have to take risks in our relationships. And some are like, for all my extroverts, are like, well, that's not really a risk. That's perfectly fine. I love people. But believe it or not, a lot of us, and even actually from us just raising our hands, I just need a replay. Hey, it's on YouTube. Go check out last week's message when we act about liking people. But we, we came to this conclusion. We said this. That even though sometimes we, we've experienced hurt, we've been experienced betrayal, we've experienced letdown, we've experienced a lot of these things when it comes to relationships, we said that, man, God created us for relationships, designed us for relationships, and we wrestled or we settled on this point. We settled on this point that direction flows through relationships. We said that direction flows through relationships, that where we go is going to be about who we're connected to. That direction flows through relationship, and then we settled it on this point and said, and relationships position us for destiny. Relationships positioned us for destiny. So tonight, we're going to talk about a new area. Um, I know we already prayed, but I'm just going to pray now for this message, literally two seconds, um, and then we're going to jump in to what we're going to talk about risking tonight. Um, Jesus... We simply ask that you just continue to be here. Thank you for worship. Thank you for this group. Thank you for this time. God, we just ask that as we uh, embark on the things that we take risks, that you give us courage and boldness to take the risks that are necessary. We give you this time. We thank you. and We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. We all say amen. amen. All right, so check it out. Before we kind of dive in, I'm going to share, and I'm gonna, uh, we're going to walk through some passages, walk through some stories. You know I love to storytell. We're going to get to that, but... Before I get there, I kind of have like a question. Is there anybody in here that's just one of those like extremely organized people? Just go ahead and shoot your hand if you're one of those organized people. And not just like organized, like, like, like my notes are organized, but I'm talking about anybody just have that life organized where you're like, you got your plan, you're ready to go, right? Like you're one of those people that live by your calendar, you, 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 live, you live by your calendar. You live by your checklist. You got a three-year plan, a five-year plan. You're like, look, right now, I just graduated high school. Three and a half years from now, I should be done with college. Five years from now, I should be in the career that I want. Six years from now, I should meet the love of my life. Seven years from now, we'll have our destination wedding. Eight years from now, we'll have two kids. They have to be twins. Levi, Logan, sorry, Splash Zone. Levi, Logan, a dog, and, you know, working on the third. Right, like, we have that life together. Anybody there? Right? 10 years from now, preparing to have this early retirement because I'm going to like win some, I don't know. Any, anybody like, anybody one of those people? You don't have to raise your hands. It's okay. But the reality is maybe many of us aren't that bad, but I think a lot of us get to this place of this. A lot of us get to the place that, that we love to have our lives mapped out. And we love to have our plan for our lives mapped out. We like to have an idea of, of what tomorrow looks like, what next week looks like, what next year looks like. That, that, that many of us, even though we may not be the extremely crazy person, maybe some of us are, like I said, don't raise your hand, we'll pray later. Um, but a lot of us, to some degree, are saying, I have to have some idea of what tomorrow looks like. I have to have some idea of what next week and next year looks like. And the reality is that some of us on the other end, that we get to these places, and a lot of us maybe, depending on if you're just fresh out of high school, it's all good. I'm super pumped that you're a part of this community. But, you know, we're like 18, like 29. So some are like, you know what, I'm ready to take the life by the homes. But, but some of us that's 23, 24, 25, 26, experience some really difficult moments in life. And you're like, even though my, my plan that I had graduating high school is not really, it's not, it's not quite working out the way I expected to. But 
And then we get into this place is that when, when life doesn't have to seem to be mapped out, we absolutely lose it. That, 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 that when to next week or tomorrow is not planned out or a year, what it looks like, how am I going to take care of myself? How am I going to make money? Hold on, I'm 22 and I still haven't started college yet. Or, or man, I plan to be married at 25. I'm 27 now. My buy a lot, like all this other, not, like all this stuff. And we, we find ourselves like getting stressed out, being anxious, find ourselves, we find ourselves being in a lot of those positions, we find ourselves losing it. But, but here, here's the reality. Here's the reality. What's funny is, is that place of not knowing what tomorrow looks like, not knowing what next week looks like, what next year looks like. What if I was to tell you that that is the place that Jesus himself tells us to live from? That Jesus himself tells us to live from there. And, and, and we're going to walk through a quick passage real quick, but, but the reality is that messes with a lot of us. And I'm not saying be a good steward, right, have a good plan, right, or, but, 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 but when we hold it so tightly that it's our will, it's our way, it's got to be done this way, and when it doesn't, we allow ourselves to freak out. Jesus actually challenges us in the middle of the greatest sermon ever told. He tells us to actually live that way. This is what it says right here in Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 24, man, we're going to jump to 31, 33. This is, this is Jesus talking in the middle of the greatest sermon ever written. He says this, this is why I tell you not to worry about your everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than about food and your body more than about clothes? This is verse 31, and he kind of wraps up this thought, and there's some more. Unpack it. Read the whole thing. It's really good. Go ahead and go to the next one for me. So don't worry about these things, saying that what we will eat and what we will drink, what we will wear. These things dominates the thoughts of the unbeliever, but your heavenly Father already knows what you need. Then he challenges them this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything he will give you everything you need. Here's, here's the reality of what's going on here. So he's in the middle of telling these people who, who especially at this time, being in that culture, agriculture, they, they have to plan ahead to survive. We're going to talk about that because we're getting ready to jump into a story about Abraham. Um, and we're just going to kind of walk through his narrative. But here's Jesus telling these guys that are similar to us, that same mentality as us. Like, we got to know what tomorrow looks like, what next week looks like, what next year looks like. And Jesus is getting ready to challenge them and telling them to take a risk that literally challenges the way they think. And I think actually challenges us, challenges us and the way that we think. It challenges us and the way that we think. Because this is, this is what he's asking him, man. He's, he's, he's telling them this. Now, not only not to worry about your life, and this is what our focus is going to be. It's actually uh, we got to risk the unknown. And we're going to get to and unpack that in just a little bit. But this is what Jesus is laying before them. He says, look, don't worry about what your food you're going to eat, the clothes you're going to have. Don't worry about, uh, uh, you know, some of the family matters. Don't worry about what college you're going to. Don't worry about. He says, don't worry about those things. Right, have a plan, be good stewards. Right, we have life, we have time, be good stewards. But, but don't so much stress out, be anxious, don't be worried about things. Don't, don't be worried about those things. That should not be your biggest concern. And then not only says don't worry about these things, he flips and says, and this is what you should do. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. 
Well, even though now a lot of us, maybe you, you, you have like the version Bible app and you get, you get that and it says, right, you're right. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's a great, that's a great passage, right? That's how I'm going to try to live my life. Or maybe it's in our IG bio. But the reality is when you think about it, that is a really, really difficult task. Here's why. Here's why. When my focus, when he's telling them, focus on food, clothes, how you're going to look, how you're going to act, how, like your family, things like that, take care of things like that. He wants them to seek this thing that they have no idea about or they have an idea about. But, but even Jesus said this, that the kingdom of God is here, but also not yet. They're like, OK, hold on, what? But this is what you want me to put my focus in. This is what you want me to put my, my attention to. This is what you want me to risk. So tonight, this is what I want us to do, guys. We are going to focus on this conversation that last week was that, that, that we said in order for us to live this fullness of life in Jesus that we have to take some risks. Last week was risk relationships. This week, I want to talk about risking the unknown. Risking the unknown. And somebody is probably like, the unknown? I am unknown about what you're talking about. We're going to unpack that in just a little bit. Um, so... If you got your Bibles, this was not going to be on the screen because I'm going to storytell a lot of this. Um, but if you got your Bibles, go ahead and flip over to Genesis 12 for me. Go ahead and flip over to Genesis 12. Um, you can pick up at verses 1 through 3. I'm actually going to, I'm going to start a little bit earlier. I'm going to be in a, a 1127. But, but this is a guy named Abram, and his story is speaking to the risk that I believe God asked us to take. And I think there's some moments or some highlights in his story that I believe that if we begin to, uh, that, that begin to highlight some importance for our life, as well as begin to change our perspective of how we should approach life, especially when it comes to moments of not having things together, not having really any idea, risking this idea of the unknown. That I may not know what tomorrow looks like, next week look like, next year looks like, I may not have an idea of what those look like, but I'm trusting God and I'm taking a risk in the unknown. So check it out. I'm going to go ahead and read uh, verses 11 and we're going to walk through this thing. Y'all with me? All right. So this is uh, verse 27 and it says this. This is the account of Terah's family. Terah was a father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was a father of Lot. But Haran died in the Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth while his father, Terah, was still living. Meanwhile, Abraham and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Micah. And Micah and her sister, Isaac, uh, Ica, was daughters of Nahor's brothers, Haran. But Sarai was unable to become pregnant and had no children. Verse 31, it says, One day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, and his grandson Lot, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans, and he was headed to the land of Canaan. But they stopped at Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. I'm going to read the verse, first three of chapter 12. And it says, Then one day the Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. And I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So that's a lot. And it's Genesis. So who they talk a little crazy. Let me unpack this. This is what's taking place. 
that before uh, what we picked up in uh, verses 27, there's this whole long lineage thing. And I don't know if you guys just look at the lineage. Um, honestly, they're actually pretty fascinating. But if you're not really understand, they just get real boring. It's like, I don't need to know who's the son of who, who's the son of who, who's the son of who, who's the son of who. But that's what's taking place. And then it picks up with this guy named Terah. And Terah, a lot of us are familiar with this guy named Abraham. And we're going to focus on him. But this is what happens. Terah, uh, uh, Abram's father, Abram's father for some reason, packs up. We don't really know why. He packs up. He's from this place called the Earl of the Chaldeans. That's his hometown. That's Abram's hometown. That's all those other names and stuff of people. That, that's their hometown. He picks up, packs up their bags, and they, he says they're headed towards the land of Canaan. That's going to be really important. So highlight, circle, underline that. We're going to come back to that. He says they're headed towards the land of Canaan. But as they're headed towards the land of Canaan, they get to this city called Haran. As they get to this city called Haran, it says Terah, Stops there and settles there. Stops there and settles there. And, and, and here is, here, here's why this is interesting, because in a few more chapters, you're going to see um, God have this encounter with Abraham. And in his encounter with Abraham, um, it's going to really begin to highlight some of the things where you're like, huh, you begin to question Terah, because here, here you have Terah who is on his way to the land of Canaan. He's on his way to the place where God is getting ready to tell Abraham to go, where he's getting ready to tell his son to go. He's on his way there, but he comes to this place, and we don't know why. The scriptures don't speak on it, so I'm not going to speak on it, but it trips me out a little bit because here you have this guy who's headed towards the land of Canaan, the land the, uh, that is about to be considered the future promised land. He's headed towards this place. It's him, his family, it's Abraham. Abram, his son, he's headed towards this place, stops in this place called Haran, and his story ends. It says he was headed towards the land of Canaan, but he gets to Haran, which is funny because he has a son named Haran, and even though they're different Hebrew words, he, he found something familiar. He found something probably a little bit comfortable, probably something that reminded him of something, and he stops, and he gets four sentences in the entire Bible. Here's why this is a big deal. I hear why I think this is interesting because then God, like I said, I don't know. I'm just using my like kind of Bible study slash imagination. I don't know why. It's four sentences. It says he's headed this place, but he doesn't end up going there. It says he stops and settles. But a few verses later, God taps Abraham or Abram on the shoulder and says this. He says, hey, Abram, I, I, you weren't ever really meant supposed to stop in Haran. I was always trying to get you to the land of Canaan, trying to get you to the promised land. Hey, check it out. This is what I need you to do. I need you to leave your father's house. I need you to leave your family. I need you to leave your kin. I need you to take you, your wife, the few servants, and the few people that's kind of working in your household, take your livestock, and I need you to head towards Canaan. I need you to head towards a land that I will show you. He says, I need you to head towards a land that I will show show you. Well, here's the reality is, is when you really think about it, man, is that, that God tells Abraham to leave his father in Haran and continue on to Canaan. Well, here's where this risk comes in. Abraham has no idea, or Abram at this time has no idea what the land that God is talking about. He doesn't even give him a name for it. He just says, a land that I will show you. And, and, and we, we kind of like like that story because like, well, he just experiences, he expresses a huge faith in God, which is really true. But it's even deeper than that, because what you've got to understand is, especially at this time, 
You didn't leave your father's house. You, you, this wasn't one of those people where now we kind of have this life that if it's like me, myself, and I, I can make it, I can do it. At that time, you, your family, the people that were with you, the people that you kind of you, you did life with when it came to eating, you needed each other to survive. So the risk that God is placing in front of him is not just, hey, you want a chance to move out and be independent. No, he says, look, on the other side of this risk, you need to understand that there is a possibility of death. There's a possibility of starvation. There's a possibility that you can lose everything because I'm having you put everything up. You don't leave your family. You don't leave your kin. Your identity, your last name was everything. But God comes and taps Abraham on the shoulder with no idea, not much, except the promise. He taps him on the shoulder, not knowing exactly where to go, not knowing where he's going, just the land that God will show him. And I love verse 4 because it says this. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. However, Lot went with him. That's a whole other sermon for another day. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Abram was 40, 75 years old when he left Haran. So we're going to stop right there when it comes to the reading. I'm going to read a few more, but I'm just going to kind of unpack Abraham's life in the next 11 minutes over the next thir- three chapters. Y'all with me? I think I can do it. Here we go. So, so check it out. Here it is. God taps Abraham or Abram on the shoulder, right? He says, look, get up, go, leave your kin. Abraham, despite the risk in front of him, hears this God and says, well, look, God, if you're as good as everybody says you are, that I'm willing to make that move. That even though there's, there's starvation, there's loss, there, there's a whole bunch of risks, I know because of the promise that you gave, there's possibly destiny on the other end. So this is what he does. He gets up. He loves him. He says, Pop, I know we good, but God's calling me. So he gets up. He says, Sarai, man, I know you're comfortable. I know, like, we, we, live, in, we live in pretty decent. He says, but look, we, we, we got a roll. Some of my baptism people, oh, I'm so pumped. Let's go. <laughs> anyway, talk about that in a little bit. Um, so he comes to this place, and he says, he says look, so he, so he bounces. But, but as, as Abraham leaves, the first thing he does, man, it says as he kind of travels, the first few verses, it's him traveling, him heading towards, um, he's heading toward uh, the place that he said God will show him. And where he's heading towards the place that God will show him, he gets there, and he probably kind of looks around, and it says the first thing he does is builds an altar. The first thing he does is builds an altar. And here, here's why I think this is uh, uh, pretty impressive or pretty important is because here you have now Abraham outside of his wife, Sarai, maybe a few people in his house. He's in this place that he doesn't know. He's in this place that he, he probably doesn't understand. He doesn't know where the hottest food joint is. And the first thing that he does because, or the first thing that he does is builds a place where he can establish relationship and reverence. And this is what I kind of, uh, I think we can take away is this, is that, that even though we may not understand what the other side looks like, and we're going to talk about that for ourselves in a little bit, but, 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 but his risk of the unknown created an intimacy with God. That his risk of the unknown built an intimacy with God. Because I, I would have to imagine he's in this place, that he's in this environment that he's not familiar with. 
He's in this environment that he doesn't understand. He's in this environment that even the people that he would go to to kind of lean on and say, yo, like, this is crazy, or I got a headache, or, man, can somebody tell me where the nearest in and out is? Like, he's in this place. He doesn't have anybody answer those questions, and he's in this place where he's like, look, not only that, I still got to feed myself. I still got to take care of myself, and he's in this place that because he doesn't have any people else to run to or any other distractions, he's in this place where he says he built an altar to God. And here's the reality. This is why it's important for us that there's going to be moments in your unknown situation, your unknown opportunity um, may be different than the person sitting next to you. But God sometimes are going to put us in situations or ask us to go places that we may not understand, we may not be familiar with, that we may not even be comfortable with. But he's going to put us in those situations first for this so that our unknown situations can build intimacy with God. So the reality is a lot of us love to be in the places that we're familiar with. We love to be in the place that we have some sense of familiarity. But sometimes God needs us outside of familiarity because even our normal has become a distraction for us. That our normal everyday life, we're good with social media, we're good going, we're good even coming to church or coming up here on Thursdays. All this has become normal. And even in that, we, God can't seem to get a hold of us or can't get us to the place where he wants to do some really, really cool, unique things in us. Because our normal has become a distraction. So this is why I believe God challenges us with opportunities that even though it says, wow, I have no idea, that doesn't seem comfortable, why am I going to get on a car and go down to Mexico for a weekend? That doesn't seem like anything that I want to do, but you just hearing like God says, go, go, go. Here's why. The first thing is this, is that when we take the risk of unknown, it creates opportunities for us to build intimacy with God. So check it out. This is what happens, man. Um, And I am running close on time. Um, so check it out. This is what happens. Um, so Abraham goes, he builds this altar, goes through a few more things. There's some uh, situations still taking place in his life, even though the next couple of chapters are probably about a couple of years. Um, he's getting a little bit more familiar with the place. He's starting to settle in, but still not so much. It's still really unknown. There's still some unknown. And even in the midst of that, he experiences some trouble. Remember, we talking about Lot came with him. Um, You guys, man, I'm trying to tell you right now, the Bible is the dopest narrative ever. Just saying. Um, Anyway, so this guy, his his nephew, Lot, comes with him, even though God told him, leave all your family. He said, you know what? I can bring one because we love to try to bring familiar things into unfamiliar places. But that's another message for another day. Anyway, he brings this guy lot with him, and then he gets into some trouble. So, so even though he's starting to settle in, this place still feels unknown, and even more than the place. Remember, it was more than just a place. God had a purpose or a promise that he told Abraham, right? What was it? He said, look, I'm going to make you... Uh, I'm going to bless the nations through you. I'm going to give you all types of offspring. I'm going to give you this land. Well, here I am in the land, and he finds out, man, as you still read, we're in, like, uh, we're in like chapter 15 at this point, and he's at this place, and this is what it says. It says, Abraham, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Ab- Abraham was, Abram was probably, probably starting to feel a little down. He says, don't be afraid. Abram, I will protect you, and, I, and your reward will be great. And then Abram probably says a little question like, bro, like you had me leave 
my family, you had me leave. This is, this is, a, nice, this is a nice place, right? I, I do got the country, but the promises of stuff that you told me, I still don't see it. Even though I'm, I'm still in this unknown place, and even though I, I, know, I have a few neighbors that I like, it's still, it's still not home. I did this because you told me to do this. There were some things that you asked me to do, and, and I'm trying to do it. And so Abraham says, look, God, what good are the blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants wants to be your heir. And then God kind of stops him right there, man, and it says this. And he says this, and then, and then the Lord said to him, no, your servant won't be your heir. For you will have a son on your own, and you will have a son on your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up, into the side. Look up into the sky. Count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And then it says, verse 6, Abraham kind of changes his disposition. He says, you know what, man, the stars, that's real photogenic, and that's a lot of descendants. I kind of like what you're talking again. And it says this. It says, verse 6, and Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him, counted him as righteousness because of his faith. This is, this is what... Um, this is the next point is this, is that when we take risk of unknown situations, the unknown creates opportunities for us to grow our faith in God. That when we experience unknown situations, situations that are uncomfortable, unfamiliar, and I'm not talking about nonsense, but I'm talking about stuff that God is really clearly tapping you on the shoulder and saying, I've shaped you, I've formed you, I've called you to go here. I know it's a struggle. I know it doesn't seem comfortable. Why you want to go serve the homeless in L.A.? Or why you want to go down to Lord Woods? Or why you want to go to Mexico? Or why am I telling you to go on a plane overseas and, and, and be in a place where you don't know the language, don't know the food, don't know all these things? Why are you calling me all this? Here is why. God often uses the unknown and challenges us to take the risk. One, because it builds intimacy with him. It draws us close to him, but it also builds our faith in him. That when we embrace the opportunities to take risks, even in unknown, even when it's unfamiliar, even when it's uncomfortable, it grows our faith. And Abraham, like I said, feeling a little better. He's keeping going on. He's moving. Here's the reality that I think it is for us. This, this is the reality that I think it is for us. Often when we are in familiar environment, this is why it's so important sometimes to, to, to we have to take those risks in those areas of unknowns because when we're in familiar environments, a lot of us like to have complete control over our lives. We like to have complete control over our lives. Matter of fact, the reality is, is when we're comfortable, even though, like I said, remember how we said we, we can live the safe Christian life, but, but does God really have control? Does God really have the lordship in our life? When we're in environments that are familiar, we're usually likely to make our own decisions. But, but, but God, wants us to, God wants to lead us in a destiny. God wants to lead each and every one of us in a destiny, that he has a destiny for each and every one of us. We love that word around here because it's true that God shaped us and formed us and called us to do some really, really unique things. But one, it's on the other side of risk. But two is this, that in order for us to fulfill that, we have to give up control. And that's what Abraham started to get himself into. He was like, well, God, look, man, you, you said I'm going to have descendants. I don't have any kids. Um, you're going to see Sarah do that in a little bit. Like, 
hey, Hagar there? Should we try something else? Like, or should I give it to my decision? He was like, he started trying to make it all in his own hands, put it in his own plants. And God says, hold up, bruh. I'm the one that gave you the promise. I'm the one that gave you the destiny. I'm the one that gave you this, 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 this destiny, this purpose on the inside of you. But when you, take it unto, when you take it in your own control, you limit what God is doing in your life. We limit what God is doing in our life. And there's going to be moments where we don't want to do the things that God has called us to do simply for the fact that we don't like giving up control. But the reality is if we're going to live into the fullness of what God, God, God called us to, we have to, one, grow in our faith. We have to give up control because here is the reality. It's simply this, if you ever want to know how, 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 where we are um, and, and really kind of how, how much we always, like a lot of us like to say, you know, we're confident, we're bold, we're full of faith and all those things. This, this is how you can know. Here's a quick telltale sign. We hold on to control because our fear is great. We give away control when our faith is greater. We hold on to control. We like to be in control, right? We like to have tomorrow planned out, next week planned out next year planned out, and not, you know, just for good stewardship. No, I, it, it, God, it needs to look just like this. We like to have control because our fear, our insecurity is great. But I love what Abraham does, man, or Abram does in this moment, is that God has to reassure and he reminds, but then he puts what his plans and his control back on the shelf and says, you can put that one back, <laughs> Uh, he puts his control back and he says, look, I'm putting my fear away and I'm putting my faith back in God. I'm out of time, so we're going to run through the next part of this. I feel like I'm talking fast. I'm like on my rap tip right now. I'm just saying. Um, so check it out. This is what happens, man. Uh, I'm going to read one more passage. So Abraham, once again, a few more years go by. Um, Genesis, even though it's like only a chapter, you're talking about a couple years, and you're going to see that in just a second. Um, but a few more years go by. He, he makes some mistakes. He tries to take control. God has to like, dude, like we just had this conversation, even though it was counted unto him righteousness because of his faith. He messed up, but that's a whole other conversation, another sermon for another day. But anyway, here, here's what happened. God gets to this place where he's getting ready to change Abram's name to Abraham, and we're going to wrap up with this, and I'm going to read verses 17. I'm going to read 1 through 8, and it says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life, and I will make a covenant with you, by which I guarantee to give you countless descendants. There goes that promise, that destiny, that purpose that he has for Abram again. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground, and God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What, what's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations, and I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and the kings will be among them. And I will confirm my covenant with you, your descendants after you, from generation to generation. This is our everlasting covenant that I will, always, I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give you the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. So here's what happens. God gets to this place. I just told you Abraham or Abram at this point makes some more mistakes. 
but he also has some really more unique encounters with God where God shows himself faithful and he puts his fear back away and he puts his faith back uh, and he puts his faith back on God. But then God changes his name. God has this moment where he counters and it says he's 99. This is 25 years from where we first started. He said he was 75 when he left here and he says he's 99 now, 99 and a half. And he's at this place where God continues to remind him the purpose, the fullness, the plan that he has for him. Even though he took this risk 25 years ago into this risk of the unknown, I have no idea what you have in store. And he's journeyed. There's been some ups and downs. Not that it's all going to be A-OK or all going to be all right, but God still remains faithful. And he has this plan in store for him. And he's getting ready to show him this. So he comes and he says, look, Abram's name meant exalted father, which is funny because he didn't have any kids at the time. He didn't have any kids at the time. His name was Abram. And then God comes and he says, look, for no longer, because of the purpose, the destiny, the plan that I've placed in front of you, you're no longer going to be Abram. I'm changing your name to Abraham, which meant this, father of many. And I love it because here's ultimately what what has to happen. After building the intimacy with God, after having to choose faith over fear with God, he comes to this place where not only that, he has to lay his entire will before God. Not just our control, but even our decisions, our thoughts, he lays it all before God. And this is what we realize, is that when we take opportunities to risk the unknown, or when we risk the unknown, we release our will to God. That when, we, that when we risk the unknown, we release our will to God. And going back to just like we talked about, man, that, 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 that the reality is a lot of us like to keep control. We like to have our life in our hands. We like to make our plans, make our decisions. We like to have all these things. But the reality is, is that, 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 that it's our familiarity that keeps us to a place that we Limit what God wants to do. But when we take risk into unknown situations, unknown environments, unknown spaces that God wants to call us to so he can do some really, really profound and unique things in your life, we position ourselves and not only position ourselves, but we release our will to God. The reality is we're supposed to give our will to God anyway, right? It says, seek ye first the kingdom of righteousness. That's what he even said back in Matthew 6, 33. But, but, but in unknown areas... I love it. This is why he calls us and moves us into these situations where he takes away all comfortability, all familiarity. It's in those moments that now we don't have any preferences. We don't have any expectations. We barely even have suggestions. But we simply say, God, whatever you want to do, do. I think about this. And I'm going to close after this. I know I'm like a little over time, but this, this, is, this is what I think about when it comes to releasing our will to God. And sometimes we have to risk the unknown. I remember my first missions trip about three years ago. My first mission trips about three years ago. I was literally almost at this point, I didn't even release my will. My will was kind of released upon me that I was kind of like forced on a plane. I was forced on a plane, but after I was like, okay, I'm down to go. I accepted it. Once I released my will, I remember it put me in this place, man. I'm getting ready to spend 14 days and preparing for, at the time, like two months that in this place of not knowing the language, not knowing the culture, not knowing any of these things. And I remember sitting in this place where it's like, well, I can't even suggest anything. I can't even come up. I may have some ideas. I may try to be like, you know, uh, wisdom, what, what should we do? But I'm in this place because of its unknown nature. 
It was like, I can try my best to come up with stuff, but ultimately it says this, that God, whatever you want to do, whatever you have in plan, whatever you have in store, whatever you are up to, I simply have to release my will to you. Why? Because this is so unfamiliar. This is so unknown. The reality is it's more than just the mission trip, but God asks us, ask of us that for our lives. He asks of us that for our lives. That even though it's just our human nature that we want to be in control, matter of fact, from, from, from Genesis 3 and the fall, the whole reason the fall happened was because, man, humanity wanted to be in control, but God said this, I know the plans that I have for you. I have what's best for you. I have what's in store for you. I have destiny. I have purpose. I have all this for you. But it starts with this, releasing. It starts with releasing your will to God. It starts with releasing your will to God. Check it out. Here, here, here's the really big idea. I know we did a lot of storytelling. There's a few points up there. There's a lot of things that we talked about. Tried to rush through this. Rapper voice, if you don't get anything else, this is what I want you to get. If you don't get anything else, I want you to remember this. As you have to make decisions about uh, where, you're gonna, like, where you're serving or what your careers are going to be or, or even all this thing. Like I said, it's good to be a good steward and to plan and to, you know, to have these things, but hold it loosely. Because when we don't, when we don't, this is what happens. When we are unwilling to risk the unknown, we are telling God that we are unwilling available. And we are, when we are unwilling to risk the unknown, we are telling God that we are unavailable. Here's the reality, friends, that most of us, majority of us, if not all of us, this is one of the risks that all of us at some point, if we're going to live to the fullness that God has for us, if we're going to live out the, the depth and the complete purpose and the destiny that God is going to play, that God has placed on us, some of the risks, ah, that may not be for you. Some of the, this one is for all of us. That there are going to be moments when God is going to tap you on the shoulder just like he did Abraham and says, look, I got this place for you to go. I got these people for you to meet. I got these things for you to do. It's going to be challenging. It's going to, it's going to open you up for hurt, betrayal, let down. It may not happen as fast as you want, but this is what you need to know. For your life to live in the fullness, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God said, Jesus said this, I come that they might have life and life more abundantly. They might have life to the fullness. That only comes on the, under, on the, other, on the other end of risk. Whether we know what it looks like, whether it's unfamiliar, even when it's uncomfortable. That it comes by willing to risk in unknown situations. God's going to tap you on the shoulder one day and say, look, I've called you, I've shaped you, I've molded you for this, I've created you for this. I know it doesn't seem easy. I know it seems to stay in our nice, safe, easy life. But God calls us often to go into unknown situations. Everybody that God did anything supernatural, remarkable with, all had to embrace risk. And majority of them had to embrace the risk of the unknown. Not knowing what tomorrow looks like. Not knowing what next week looks like. What next year looks like. I know you have your plans, your thoughts. But are we willing to release our will to God? I want you guys to stand up. Let me pray for you.
Jesus. God, as we have been walking through this conversation of risk, as we've been walking through this conversation of having to expose ourselves to moments of disappointment, hurt, betrayal, letdown, all because it leads to, it's the steps towards our destiny. God, as we've been talking through those things, some of it has left us uncomfortable. Some of it has been a challenge. Some of it has been, I don't know if I could do that, if that was the moment. God, I simply pray for this. I pray for courage and I pray for boldness. God, I pray that you would lay before us moments where we have to put our faith in you, that we have to remove our fear, put our faith in you, that we can grow in our intimacy with you, and ultimately, God, that we can release our entire will to you. That you would give us risk. Not just for the sake of risk, but we believe that you have a destiny, a purpose, a plan for each and every one of us. But we know that that is on the other end of risk. So God, we pray for your strength, your courage, and your boldness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's message. Make sure you subscribe, and we'll catch you next week at the Pure Young Adults Podcast.